You're listening to Bring Me the Axe. I'm Brian White, one half of this morbid equation, and I'm joined by my co-host and actual brother, Dave White. Dave, how you doing? Uh, thank you for asking. Um, I'm doing pretty well. You know, I will tell you what I did last night. Well, actually, it was all of yesterday. I went to a day-long bachelorette party. I've seen the photos. In, in Salem, Massachusetts. And let me tell you something. That city is as much a shit show in the first week of November as it is all of October. Oh, yeah, because everybody, what everybody does is they... They, they've now learned like you can't go there from October 1st to October 31st. So like, let's mm-hmm. just wait it out. But now there's this like extended two week period where it's still like a shit show until about Thanksgiving when everybody's like fully over. Uh, yeah. But you know what it felt like? It felt like haunted happenings. 50% off. <laughs> so it's like when you go to Michael's like a week before Halloween, it's like all 75% off. It was like that. Like even the people I'm like, oh, this isn't your best. Is it? Salem? <laughs> Oh no! Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. So, uh, oh, did you go to the uh, did you go to the Satanic Temple? Uh, well, we did. So we actually had to meet them there later. So we got there as they were like finishing up. Yeah. But we had to like because you have to like ring the bell to get in. And I was like, well, that's kind of sad, but I get it. But... <laughs> yeah, they've they I mean... they got they got to take security pretty serious over there, even in Salem. It's a nice place, though. It's a beautiful building. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, also, I mean, for me, I found out that uh, tonight is the 34th Treehouse of uh, Horror, and I am feeling really fucking old right now. 34. Yeah. Treehouse of Terror 34. Uh, God damn. So, uh, hey, Dave. Yeah. Who's this over here? Well, we have, us, uh, we have a guest here with us today. We have an actor, writer, podcaster, co-host of the Horror Movie Survival Guide podcast. We have Terry Gamble. Hello, Terry. How are you? And thank you for joining us. What's up, guys? Hey. Hi, Brian. Hi, Dave. Uh, oh, I love Salem. <laughs> Such a weird, wonderful place. I have only been there in the summer. I've never gone for Halloween, and I think I'm grateful for that because I hear it is uh, a hot, hot mess. It's, but it's hard. It's a hot mess, I feel like, most of the time, though, because even when you go there, you're talking about the off-brand moment. Like, I've definitely <laughs> felt like that experience going there to like some of the museums and some of the shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, last year they, there were actually like letters to the editor articles in the local paper, like the Salem paper. That was basically like, please everybody. We know you love hocus pocus, but the city's infrastructure literally cannot handle this many people. And so like they were actively discouraging people from going in, in October. Oh. But people want it for their Instagram. Just go another time a year. It looks like pretty much the same. I, you know? It's going to look like that three you months can, out of the yeah. year. You can go get the weird, you know, pictures by like, I mean, the, the museums have all all the st- all photo ops you probably really want. Anyway, yeah. So. Yeah. 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 It's a, uh, it's, it's, I do, I do like going there. I don't make it a, a habit of it, but like I, I live like 30 minutes away. So like, there's really no excuse. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. I used to live in Massachusetts and I would, I would take the train when I lived there. I lived in Somerville for a while. Hey. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave lives in Somerville. Yeah. yeah. So I used to take, take a little, little jaunt, All right. you know, enjoy, enjoy some spooky good times with my friends and, you know, that little bookshop that has like I don't I forget the name of it like stacks and stacks and stacks of books and you go in there I'm, I'm sure that guy's probably not there anymore but there was a little old man I'd walk in and I said do you have this certain book I forget the name of the book and he was like no was like how do you know and it would look like it looked like I don't know it's like Flitwick's like shop for like you know um, freaking wands and stuff like that and he kind of had that same energy where he was just like no the book is not here and I could barely see him past the stacks but he knew exactly everything that was in that freaking freaking bookshop. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's a city full of characters. It's it really is it's cool and creepy. Yeah. 
Hey, so we practically grew up in neighborhood video stores. The steady diet of utter garbage that those shops provided us with continues unabated to this day. There's no one else I enjoy chopping it up with more about trashy movies than Dave. Just before we get into it, here's a little housekeeping. If you want to keep up with us between episodes, you can also find us pretty much on all the socials. Searching Bring Me the Axe Horror Podcast, though we're really only active on Instagram these days, mostly. You can get me at uh, the Bring Me the Axe pod, and uh, Dave's that queer wolf over there. Mm-hmm. And we have a good time. We just came off of a whole October thing, and it was it was a good time. I was finding new ways to sort of carry it out into November and beyond. Uh, you can also contact us directly at bringmetheaxepod at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions. So do let us know if there's a movie that you love and would like to hear us give it the business. And lastly, if you like what you can hear, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And you'd be doing us a favor by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also do that on Spotify now. It's uh, it's, it's very nice. I keep... I keep, just do it on both. I know, do it on do both. It on As a matter of fact... Or I will hex you. <laughs> You're right. He was at the Satanic Temple. He knows... That's right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I keep seeing that number go up. It's so nice. It's just so nice. Uh, but we're going to continue to give you all a hard time about it. So fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah, do it. Yeah, right? Do even even Terry says so. Give him a nice review. <laughs> Come on. So I just want to get that all out of the way right at the top of the show. <laughs> so, oh boy, I'll give you a little taste of what we're gonna uh, what we're gonna talk about today. Something happened in these woods. Something that has never been explained, and it's happening again now. Did you hurt yourself? Oh, it's just a little cut. What sort of person are you? Sensitive. You sense things. The past pursues the present like a recurring dream. What began as a game ended when a young girl vanished into thin air. That was my daughter's name. What do you think happened to Karen? I think she's still out there. Karen is trying to come back. What did you see? Not Karen outside there. Don't you understand? It's someone else. Only Jan can help Karen. But who's going to help Jan? Betty Davis, Carol Baker, David McCallum, and Lynn Holly Johnson. Whatever happened to my Karen could happen to you. The Watcher in the Woods. Oh boy, the watcher. That is a fucking that is a five star cast right there, and they are not gonna use any of them. <laughs> oh no. I that is, uh, that is my favorite line. Untrue. I love that. I love the Kyle line. Kyle Richards is gonna give it to us hard. Okay, okay? Yeah. yeah. I'm on board yeah. with that. I'm definitely on board with that. So so Terry, we hit you with like a list of movies to see like what you might be interested in talking about, and you picked this one. Uh you guys seem so bummed about that. What's that, what's that energy about, guys? Talk uh, so to me. This, why, why are you upset? Uh, we, uh, we had this one on the list. We, we, we've, got, we've had this show scheduled into like way into next year. And we had this one on the list mm-hmm. 
I think for the somewhere in the summer where we, we originally planned to do sort of like a Disney horror double feature kind of thing with this one and the black hole. And we both like, I don't, I, I mean, uh, something wicked. Oh, we're we're gonna do this something, something wicked. wicked. And, um, I, I have very unusual memories of this one because I feel like I've seen it a lot, but upon watching it this time, it occurred to me that I probably saw this when I was like eight or nine. And like, I yeah. just kind of have like faint memories about it. And it always kind of haunts me as this mysterious little picture that Disney would rather forget about. And so oh, I, yeah. I, I think the idea of the watcher in the woods was way, way more exciting than the execution of the watcher in the woods. Let me, I will tell you, let me tell you something about this movie. I've seen it a shitload of times. Uh, probably the last time I watched it was maybe 10 or so years ago. And it, it's familiar in a way that no other movie is familiar to me. It feel like I, I know it beat for beat, not the content necessarily. It just feels so familiar, like watching it. And as we were saying before you got on here, uh, Terry, is that you remember the the kind of pre-roll uh, trailer that Disney would run at the beginning of every movie that yeah. was sort of like they would just show all of these live action, like what became touch, Touchstone Pictures. And these these scenes, like I, I remember being drawn to these scenes in particular because they're the best parts of the movie that are in that trailer. But I watching it again, I was like, this is the most familiar thing. It is like a movie. I swear to God, it's like I've seen it a million fucking times. Even though I don't, I'm not that familiar with it, like with the content of it. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was so weird because I'm like, this just feels so familiar. Because it haunts you like it's supposed to, you know. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> mm-hmm. it does mm-hmm. something. So uh, here's a warning before we get rolling. We're basically going to talk about this movie from beginning to end. So spoilers to follow. Uh, you can find this. Uh, uh, Nowhere. nowhere nowhere you have to go to a video store Basically. i had to go to the video store yeah, yeah. No, i had to buy it yeah yeah there, there's there's a there are very good reasons why you cannot watch this movie on disney plus and it has uh i it's it's just a very weird movie that they are i'm sure it's just some weird like rights thing i love this movie you guys are gonna hate on it i can feel it but... no actually that's not the problem i actually don't hate it there's not much to hate about that's, it yeah, that's there's the also not much to love yeah, about like, it either. I, I am it's so i have no intention no intention of dunking on this movie it's just it's just weird it's just it's totally it's super it's very weird strange. and it was like yeah, it's super weird, and I, I guess I that makes sense because I'm super weird. Um, but I think it's just like um, it's just a it's a nice little gateway. I understand now, like watching it as an adult. I hadn't watched it in probably about the same amount of time, Dave, about ten years ago, probably last time I saw it. Um, it was a movie that me and one of my best like childhood friends used to rent every time I would spend the night at her grandmother's house. We would we her grandmother lived next door to me, and my friend lived down the street from me when we were growing up. And then when they moved away, we still would meet up at her grandparents. Her grandmother lived in a house out near a bunch of some woods, like on the edge, like looking very much like what it looks like in this movie. And so there was something about having watching this scary ass movie that looked exactly like where we were staying um, and us just scaring the living daylights out of each other, like watching this movie. And so it's just very it was very seminal. And that's what has a dear, dear place in my heart. And just getting to see Betty Davis, you know, be mm. creepy and ominous and wonderful. You're just like, oh, OK. Yeah. And then later on in life being like, oh, my God, like she's so good in everything. And yeah. just, you know. Yeah. There are times I when I was watching this, when I was mm-hmm. like, like, I'm like, oh, they must have. They must have lifted notes and beats from burnt offerings because 
Oh my god, the the entire opening of this movie, the first ten minutes of this movie, feels like it is pulled directly note for from note. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. All right, so here's some facts. The year was 1980, and some other movies that were released that year, The Children, which I just watched recently, and holy mm-hmm. shit, I love this movie to death. Uh, also, Fade to Black, which I also watched recently. <sighs> One of the best. We love Dennis Christopher. We've had him on Horror Movie Survival Guide. He's a very good friend of Julia's. We are obsessed with, this is a movie, that's a big movie for us. We I love Fade to Black. I love Fade to Black. It's... it's a love letter to cinema. If you haven't watched it, I implore you listeners, please, please pause this and watch that. And then maybe watch Watching the Letter. Just listen to us talk about it. I think, I feel like Fade to Black is, is, impo- is more important yeah. in the cinema lexicon. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. It's, and Dennis went it's there. It's so goddamn good. I, I love how, I love mm-hmm. how, just it it's campy and then it's like deliberately campy it's it's such a great movie yeah yeah it's like a little bit of that psycho kind of element where you're just like oh gosh like he's he's absolutely lost it and it's beautiful so yeah and that marilyn monroe the girl who plays marilyn like in that fade to black or looks like her she's absolutely stunning so also uh altered states inferno and the original Satan's Slaves, which was remade, oh, wow. uh, re- remade uh, just recently, or not? Rough year, no. rough year for movies. Uh, no, well, you know what? We're I've we've done so many movies set in night for like in from 1980 that I'm kind of scraping the barrel for like oh, titles wow. that we haven't already mentioned. It is one of my favorite. It's eras. probably it's actually probably my favorite. I guarantee era. we've done like of all the movies we've done, like I think the most of them are like set right in 1980. Yep. Uh, cast and crew director is a guy named John Hoff, who's a utility director responsible for both Witch Mountain movies, uh, plus the okay. you know, the Legend of Hell House, Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, Twins, of, Twins Evil. of Evil, and American Gothic, which is also campy Ooh. as hell and delightful. And Halloween yeah. 4. No shit. I did not know this. No. Halloween 4. All right. All right. Yep. Poor guy did his best with this one. But uh, honestly, I'm not sure if anybody could really turn out a, co- a coherent picture. Uh, with uh, with what he was getting. No, this is this is the uh, screenwriter's fault. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because he's a. He, the thing is, is this is not a movie. He's a TV. This guy. is not a movie without merit. Uh, it, it there's some there's some really sweet photography. Great, some some really good scenes. It's just the script. There's like something like four or five script credits. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what I said to you when I was watching it. I was like, this movie. Everybody in this is super competent. They are doing, I mean, I'm not going to say they're doing their best, but they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. The, this thing falls apart because of a, a convoluted script, and the ending is a little bit... Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, did you watch the alternate ending? Oh, yeah. I, I oh, did. Yeah. There's a okay. long story behind yeah. all that, which we'll get oh, yeah. into eventually. We're gonna get, yeah, we'll get, okay. we'll get to the, we'll get to the endings, because it's kind of, it's kind of like, if you, if anybody knows anything about this movie, it's, it's because it has, like, three endings, and it was like, yeah, yep. you know. Cast, uh, we got Lynn Holly Johnson, who I will call. Please don't let this feeling end. That's all. Sorry, Ice Castles to me. That's why I just want to call her Ice Castles. She's the star of Ice yeah. Castles. One of my. I'm, a, I'm just gonna call her Lynn from here on out because that's a, that's mm-hmm. a mouthful. Uh, former professional mm-hmm. figure skater turned actress, whose agent somehow turned a Golden Globe nomination for Ice Castles into a role in a movie so disastrous she nearly quit acting. It. Yeah, she never really worked much yeah, again. And, it's, and that's not this movie. I'm talking. We're talking about where the boys are. Eighty four. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, coming up behind that is a uh, Betty Davis, a uh, Hollywood legend who's phoning it. I like how you put Lynn Holly Johnson above. Betty well, here's why Davis. Lynn Holly Johnson is 
all over this movie. And Betty Davis is just, she sort of like looks out her window ominously and sort of shows up occasionally to say like something. Yeah, she could have done this whole thing from her hotel room. (laughs) And it would have been just as good. She is phoning it in so hard in this movie. Um, No! Oh my God! I no. mean, she's doing what she does. She's doing what Betty I think Davis she's did just doing 80s. her thing. Yeah, there she's are... just like I will stare and be scary yeah. and scare this child a little bit and like scare the mom a little bit. And each like one of the girls has a scene where they're like, "I'm scared of her." Yeah. <laughs> like it's like first it's like Lynn, then it's like they go through each one of them has a moment where like I'm scared of yeah. her, and then finally they're all like, "Oh, I guess we should listen yep. to this freaking ghost." Like yeah, something's she's not, up. She's only scary because she's old, apparently. <laughs> that happens a lot. I feel like in like this era of oh, filmmaking, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, never, never, even to this never day, never underestimate <laughs> the fear factor of the crone. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, um, most of the movie's unfinished qualities have to do with Disney rushing the movie to release in time for her fiftieth anniversary in Hollywood, and so a lot of the reason that the endings shifted a lot has to do with the fact that they released the movie before the ending was even done. So, and uh, rounding it out, we got Carol Baker, who fled to Europe in the mid-60s yeah. to outrun a Hollywood blacklist. And, uh, and wow. fucking killed it. In yeah, settling in in Rome, she goes on to star in several Jolly, directed by Umberto, yeah, she's in, Umberto uh, Lenzi. She's in Umberto Lenzi movie. She's in So uh, Sweet, So the, Perverse. The paranoia. Par- she's in So Ooh. Sweet, So Perverse. And she's in the other, the third one, something about ice. Uh, the uh, the uh, the Dagger of Ice. She's also in A Quiet no, Place to Kill. She's in a bunch. She's in yep. a bunch. And She's so stunning. She's yeah. great. And she credits this that period in Italy with like reinvigorating her entire career. Because like even before, uh, God, what was his name? Stephen Levine? Bob Levine? So, uh, the, the producer who kind of locked her into the baby doll character like escaping to europe was was like the best move she ever did because she came back to america after that and started doing this and well because the movies she made there with umberto Lenzi are uh, they are uh, sexy is an understatement uh, yeah. they are very explicit movies yeah. and they're good i mean they're good movies but like she finally got to break free and be like a you know i think the character actor she wanted to mm-hmm. be yep but uh yeah yeah because she's good in this, too. I think she's great in that. I mean, fucking everybody's good in this. It's just. Yeah. Yep. And rest in peace, David McCallum. I was just Yay, like, oh, yes, he did in September. Yep. So Ducky, NCIS, <laughs> one, of, one of my best friends. That's like her favorite show. I was just like, oh. Carol Baker is still alive. She's like 92 or 93 years old. She's still still doing it. Good for her. Amazing. Yeah. Like even the composer for this is really, really good. He's the guy that did Deer Hunter and Prick Up Your yeah. Ears, which are both Ooh. awesome. Scores. Yeah, I got notes about that. It's a guy named name, guy but... named Stanley Myers, who's uh, yeah. he was and who was prolific. I mean, he did a lot of TV too, but he did some big movies. I think he did The Witches as well. The Witches. Really he did uh, scenes from Class Struggle in Beverly Hills, like a bunch of shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't like he's got a few like real noteworthy titles to his name, but like he also did a lot of fucking garbage, but at the same time he worked with Hans Zimmer, like a shitload throughout the eighties. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And the soundtrack here is like spooky Gothic stock, but there's like a, you know, it's like a lot of chiming music box. Yeah, stuff, but I love that but shit. Like that is my jam. There is some just howling madness on the soundtrack yeah. that really kind of nails home what's going on in some parts like if you're if you're like me at certain parts where you're just like what the fuck is happening in this movie like all of a sudden comes this like atonal uh or non-diegetic yeah. uh, uh sound comes in to be like oh i should be scared right now so it, and, and it's mm-hmm. absolutely it works yeah 
And then you'll get some weird like lighting thing and some weird symbol or shape. You're going to get a circle, yeah. a triangle. You're going to get a lot of lasers. <laughs> <laughs> or some weird like, yeah, some weird yeah. lasers. Yeah. So um, live action movies at Disney were not really a new thing. Um, they'd been producing them since the 1950s. And while I th- would say like the bulk of them kind of lie forgotten today, they built like a massive enterprise on the back of like Kurt Russell and Haley Mills. Yep. I was obsessed, obsessed with Haley Mills as a child. My mom used to call me her little Pollyanna because <laughs> I could p- play the glad game and find everything positive. Um, Summer mad- magic, all of that. Those were my jam. And then also Fred McMurray. Happiest Millionaire, yeah. like all of those things. This is like my wheelhouse as a child because you know, my family is a little conservative and Disney was like the safe space between that and fairy tale theater. I feel like these movies raised yeah. me. But Watcher was the scary one out of all of those. I was like, oh my gosh, this is Disney. This is terrifying yeah. after watching like those sweet Haley Mills movies. Right, right. I, I think that's probably true. That's true for us too, I think, because we, there's three years between all three of us. So, you know, there's a kind of an age gap. But I think these movies were probably like, well, these will satisfy everybody, maybe, at least to a certain point they did. Oh, I was such a bitch about it, too, because, like, we go to the video store. We went to this place in Salem called Video Paradise. And it's my parents and three young children at the time. And, like, me, I wanted action and fucking monsters and stuff. And they would be like, well, we're going to rent this. We're going to rent Candleshoe. And I was such a fucking asshole about it. Like, I don't want to watch that. And then I'd sit down and watch it and be like, all right, fine. That was pretty good. It's not bad. <laughs> no, but. but that was like Disney's heyday with live action movies. And the problem was, is that that era kind of ended and that audience aged out of that. And so they were like, well, we got, how do we recapture them? And it's like, I don't know. Let's make a bunch of kind of low rent shit and try to lure them back, yeah. I guess. Uh, the And put, put Elliot Gold in half of them <laughs> for some reason. No, uh, the black hole, I, I, I believe. Black, Hole's pretty black hole is the first movie that I I think I ever saw in a movie theater and I remember because dad took me dad took me to see it with his with like his friend and his son who I I played with occasionally and there there were parts in that movie that scared the shit out of me and also nobody told me it was a Disney movie so my expectations at like four years old were uh, like hey I uh, like I'm gonna go see a movie in space and then Anthony Perkins gets like chopped up by an evil robot and 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 the sh- the ship is manned by a bunch of zombies. Yeah, that's new Disney. That's crazy. New Disney's gonna chop up Anthony Perkins right in front of your eyes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but in spite of their like wild successes with live action films, because the live action movies were really where they were making the money for a little while. Because like there yeah. would be like you know because they didn't make it, they'd stopped making animation. Like Fox and the Hound was like the last. Well, movie. I mean, I mean, even through like the fifties and sixties, like it it cost oh. a lot of money to make an animated picture Robin Hood. and it takes a long mm-hmm. time to do it. And so like they were filling the gaps with like Davy Crockett, Crockett movies and like 20,000 leagues under the sea and like treasure, treasure. I mean, Island. They, they, don't, they don't hand animate now too. It's like, that's why everything's digital yeah. now because it takes so fucking long to do yeah. it. But, and they were using their like um, mouseketeers and stuff oh, like that yeah. and stuff like that and parlaying those guys into, into stars and, and using. Yeah. It was, it was like, really like Annette Funicello is probably like the earliest example of like their like Miley Cyrus mm-hmm. kind of experiment. I got to meet her when I was 16. Oh no shit. Uh, was it at a mall? Please tell me it was at a mall. It was not. I was at, sorry, I was at Disneyland because I'm a Southern California native. I was there for a week because I was in a show choir competition. Yes, I lettered in show choir and drama in high school. <laughs> and I happened to be wearing a Mouse Club t-shirt. 
And uh, Annette and Frankie were doing a signing in the gallery, which is like right by Pirates of the Caribbean. And um, I happened to be there that day and got to meet them and got a picture with them. And one of my most prized possessions to this day, she was already, you know, had declined quite a bit and was had a stamp instead of being able to do her yeah. signature because of MS and stuff like that. But she was just as lovely as could be. And, you know. Anyway, a dream. That's, Beach blanket yeah, Mako dream. Those stars, they hung on to that shit, too. Like, Tommy Kirk lasted until he was, like, in his early 20s, and then he was gay, and apparently that was a problem for Disney, so he was no longer going to be in their films. <laughs> I mean, if you're out, but no. <laughs> it's like the amount of Disney stars <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that have moved on. Yeah. Even, even the modern ones, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like Dave said, by the 70s, the company was in decline, so... Walt yeah. Disney dies because they had also spent. They had dumped a shitload of money on Epcot Center, which was not successful. It was a failure. Well, yeah, yeah. So Epcot was in '82, I think, and it was in, it was it had been in development since the, like the late '70s. But yeah, that that story is fascinating as hell because it was not supposed to be a park. It was, but it's all part of this. It's supposed to be a living community. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be like the modern community that. So yeah. so because it was that and these live action movies that almost sank. Disney. Yeah. So Walt dies in '66, and then his brother Roy dies in '71, and kind of took their vision with them, leaving the company in the hands of Ron Miller, who is Walt's son-in-law, who'd been float. He he'd been kind of around since the '60s as like a producer, and uh, he. But ever since then, he'd been floating this idea around the company that like we got to stop this animated stuff and focus on like adult oriented movies to which everybody in the company was like, are you fucking crazy? But then um, something happens. Disney passes on star Wars, but then again, fucking everybody in Hollywood passed on star Wars, 20th century Fox. It's okay. They bought it later in the end. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best, best ride ever. They've ever done is rise of the resistance. It's literally the the best goddamn best ever done with, when that, I, when that door opens and it's just a wall of stormtroopers, mm, I love it. It hey, is. Hey, hey nerds, we're uh, we're talking about another oh, thing God. now. We're talking, we're talking about that. I'm now. sorry, but can I just? <laughs> no, we're, no, we're having a little say, conversation over here. You chill. This is Disney, <laughs> and this is one I of to Disney. And, well, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, get yourself there. This is the best attraction. I try. I like people are like, oh, it's great. I'm like, no, no, no. I need to let you know. It is beyond an attraction. It is immersive. It is the best thing they have ever done at the park. And I was an annual pass holder and went all the freaking time. I would wait Mm -hmm. three hours in line for it. I would wait 10 and just be like, okay, I did that today. Bye. (laughs) Well, you could have lived at Epcot. Yep. You would never have to leave. No, I'm good. I don't know. <laughs> After being there that week in high school, it was I'd never want to spend that t- that long a time again. It was too yeah. much. It was too much. Uh, Hidden Mickey's are everywhere. Uh, it makes you crazy right, after yeah. a while. Like, yeah. But there is a weird thing that also happens because it's not just Star Wars. It's also uh, the Exorcist. It was the that so the Exorcist comes out in what seventy three and like they're all everyone's like shit we got to get into this horror game because horror is getting really yeah. big so Disney was like well how can we do that what if we blend our usual family fare with some spooky things and I'm surprised nobody was like I don't think that's a very good idea <laughs> right we're not known for devil worship. yeah because uh, G- but they kind of are I'm yeah. sorry but Fantasia is fucking scary yeah. Um and, and I mean, has a big old devil in say, it. Yeah, if you're a Republican um, in America, you think they're all worshiping the devil down there. Well, 
Um, it was like my dad. Um, and then um, you also, um, you know, you have, I don't know, that was scary to me and that was like devilly to me. Um, but there's some other stuff, like even Snow White is scary as all get out if you watch but the original Snow White. But this is their attempt to go, like, to go yeah. right for horror, to like yeah. try to lure that teen horror audience. And it was like, I And Pinocchio too. And honestly, Dumbo, those are all scary movies, those old ones. Just watch them again. They're, they're terrifying. Oh, sure. But I don't oh, think they, they ever really- a different kind of way. I don't think they deliberately set out to make them scary. They just kind of happened that way. No, they're, just, they're just moralistic tales. <laughs> Which are inherently scary. Yeah. No, but like things in the seventies, like the, the just you know the general social vibe yeah. was shifting, and you know it's not Freaky Friday, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, they ultimately start Touchstone Pictures as kind of like a direct result of this kind of experimental period, but that's not until the nineteen eighties, um, and Disney is going to have to endure a period of seriously dark pictures before they figure out how to pull it off. So, as I said, the impetus for this was Star Wars, which Disney passed on producing. And because at the time, Hollywood sci-fi was considered shit. And um, then George Lucas proved everybody wrong. The Black Hole was a movie that had been kind of kicking around since the set, like the early 70s. And I thought it was really funny to find this out. But it was originally conceived as a sort of Disney's answer to the kind of disaster movie craze at the time. So I get so like, yeah, they, they were like. They wanted, they were like, they were like, hey, everybody really likes the Poseidon Adventure and the Towering Inferno. What if we did that, but in space, which I don't disagree. Yeah, no one, no one else, no one else was doing it. But the, but like the sort of the road to, to production on, on the black hole, fascinating as hell, but we're not talking about the black hole. It's enough to know that it did well enough at the box office and it reviewed well enough to encourage Disney to keep on with these sort of like offbeat live action movies that eventually they lead to like Tron and Dragon Slayer and something wicked this way comes. And these are the ones that really start to drag them down. Yeah. Cause they spend way more money on them. Than I think they, well, I think to. that in the intro that like, like there, there's a, a sequence in something wicked that uh, the train, when the train arrives, when the, the circus arrives, yeah. that is, I think at the time was the most expensive uh, scene ever shot in Hollywood. Huh. It was like CGI because it was like the earliest use of CGI. Oh, right, yeah. And it was the most expensive scene ever created. And it like that it kind of broke the movie. And the movie sucks. But I've, that's another one uh, I haven't seen in a while. But I remember expensive. watching it. When it's we not good, and I love that is my favorite book. And the movie is just not. Are you Jonathan Price? Is Jonathan Price is terrifying in it. But he's the only good thing about it. Are you biased because you like the book? I am obsessed. Probably. <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't capture much of anything. It's like this, where it's like, you're trying to do something and you're, you're trying to rely too much on tone and, uh, and sort of atmosphere and you're not paying enough attention to a story. And so it all just kind of falls apart. Cause you're like, well, it's visually kind of cool. I mean, Pam Greer's in it too. And she's fucking yeah. incredible in it. But otherwise it's like, I don't really know what's happening or what I'm looking yeah. at. They Aside went all vibes. Really they did. Yeah, all, all vibes. vibes. <laughs> I feel like this is a little bit. Yeah, I was gonna say this one is. I kept writing me like it's just vibes. They're just trying to get like. Which I, I think is why kids are kids were probably so drawn to it. It's probably why for us it resonated so much. Is like when you're six years old, it's it's really it's very atmospheric. It's very tense. It's scary as hell. When you're forty five years old, you're wondering what is happening in this movie. <laughs> Why are That's there lasers? I, I think that that has probably has a lot to do with why I was so kind of captivated by it. By it when we when we first started kind of catching wind of it was because the closest I'd come to like horror movies at the time was like Creature Double Feature, 
And so like, it's like, I got a taste of it. And it's all I was really interested in. And when your parents were just like, we're just never going to rent you fucking Friday the 13th. This was like, also like as close as you got to it. So like there's, there's a bit of, there's definitely a bit of that, that in there for me as well. But I had already seen Friday the 13th before I saw this Damn. at my babysitter's house. I had a babysitter who was from Korea, so she did not speak <laughs> perfect English. So the stuff that she let us watch scarred me. <laughs> like, I remember watching, like, Poltergeist and all that stuff before I ever Ooh, saw this yeah. movie. Oh, you know, any heavy metal, so, any heavy metal or horror movies in, that entered our house went into the trash. Yep. So it wasn't at my house. I was at her house. And so uh, I, I, I got away with some things before I probably should yeah. have. So. So when this movie comes into the picture, everybody in the company is very, very excited because they think the greatest Disney movie of all time is what they God damn of all time. I I thought it was Miller who said it, but Snow White. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was Ron Miller who said it, but it turns out it's some other producer who worked with him who was like, this is going to be our exorcist, which is just. Well, they all shared it. They all shared this idea. Which is such a strange idea to think that like these people inside the Walt Disney Company we're like, we gotta make a, a, a we gotta make our version of The Exorcist. Which is it's bonkers. So weird. Like, it, Why? It, it, is a, it is a movie for adults based on a book for adults yeah. about demonic possession. Yep. Why are you trying to recreate your exorcist? Yeah. So what they do is they they get they get their guy, they get John Hoff, who they had do a couple of pictures before them. And I gotta tell you, I love Witch Mountain. Both of them. The second yeah. one's those are so the fun. The second one's a little, yeah, a little ridiculous, but it's got, I'll take it's got Betty Davis yeah. and, ah, oh, shit, what is his name? He's the, uh, well, Christopher Lee is in it and the, what's his face from, uh, and the, God, the guy I love Christopher from, Lee. The, the guy from, the guy with the coffin uh, and burnt offerings. In the Heat of the Night. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember, is it Jonathan something? I can't remember. Yeah, we just, name, we talked about him. In the Heat of the Night. We <laughs> talked about him a shitload with Sam. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'll look him up. So, they 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 pumped him up and they're like horror movie horror movie horror movie and so he starts to make a horror movie and they're like whoa 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 what are you doing and so everybody including Ron Miller are like trying to pull him back and because they they don't want something that's going to be beyond a PG you know like there was no P do you think he was just like but you you said you wanted the thing I was I was making you the yeah. thing I was doing the thing you wanted <laughs> yes. you said horror that's, I was doing that's horror. my my mental image of this is he was just like confused like what are we doing here. Like you said, exorcist. <laughs> yeah, but for kids, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but like all of this producer meddling is all on screen. Like you can definitely see it. it's a mess yeah. tonally. It's very strange. At times, it feels yeah. like a dour Hammer horror movie, and other times, it feels mm-hmm. distinctly Disney. And I think a lot of that has to do with Lynn Johnson because like everybody else seems to know what kind of movie they're in, but her delivery of yeah. everything is like she is acting in a I'm gonna be way honest. different movie. I'll be honest, Lynn Holly Johnson is kind of the weak link in this movie. <laughs> she is, and I feel so She's bad because I actor. love her. I love her in Ice Castle so much because I guess that's probably the closest character to her real life at playing an ice skater and going through all that yeah. stuff. But her like yelling in scenes where I was like, why are you screaming right now <laughs> at the top of your lungs? There's and no need. So, it's so, so strange. It's very disjointed. And like she seems like upset the whole time. And I was like, why are you upset before you even know what's going on? Exactly. I don't know. There's oh my a lot God. of that. Yeah, because there are moments. But yeah. in a very Midwestern way. Like she's so like corn fed middle America. Like I know why they chose her probably because of yeah. that and Ice Castles. But like, well, Diane know. Lane was the original uh, was originally cast as Jan. 
Oh. Yeah, and I don't see. And she can act her face yeah, off. I have, like, she, even amazing. Diane Lane wouldn't have saved this one, though. <laughs> Probably not, but you would have at least, I think there would have been a different kind of groundedness to those scenes that's really missing in some of those moments where it's like you're pairing her with like these veteran actors, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, that are just like phenomenal. These like, you know, the grown up adults who did something wrong when they were young and not wanting to be confronted. And she's like the most annoying. I was like, you're never going to get them to give you any information, lady. When you're just like screaming at them like most this. of her so time weird. on screen is her yelling, "We have to help Karen!" with that like that yes. Chicago accent, and 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 mm. then like some English person just kind of going, mm, "Yes, yeah." It's, there's a lot of like, "Get away from here, girl!" Yeah, which makes it feel like a hammer in that moment. But then mm -hmm. you're like, you cut to her and it feels like Footloose or something. It's <laughs> but very little strange. Lindsay Wallace, like it, she's killing it too. Like I mean, it's she's really just kind of <laughs> Lindsay <a>, Wallace. <laughs> she's she's kind of a weaker part of the yep. movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, younger sister, younger around, sister Ellie is played by uh, by Kyle Richards, who played Lindsay Wallace. In I mean, movie. she's just Lindsay Wallace in my notes. We love Kyle Richards. She's not. She's Real Housewives <laughs> in my well, notes because she's a Real Housewives I, icon and is legend. It her or is it Kim Richards? Or are they both on it? Because I don't watch that stuff. They're both been oh. on it. And um, Kyle Richards also was in a movie with one of my um, my good friends, Jernes Carchado, um, which was like a Christmas movie that was like Christmas, um, uh, Real Housewives of Christmas or whatever. Anyway, it's I love Christmas movies. Just so you guys um, know, along you, with I am a huge, huge fan. Of I love I love a Hallmark movie. I That's love what I'm talking about. Movie. And I love the crossover because so many mm -hmm. of our wonderful horror stars are in those shitty wonderful Christmas <laughs> movies. And how many how many horror movies and Christmas movies has Michael Verratti written? A lot. And I love mm -hmm. it. He's always working on more and I always yeah. am bothering him about it because I love to like be like, okay, what else? I'm trying to angle and I gotta I gotta play, you know, Lacey Chabert's like best friend or my friend Autumn <laughs> Reeser, who was one of my classmates from UCLA. I gotta be one of her, like, you know, I was like, girl, I gotta be one of your best friends. Let me know. Get me in there. Give me that Hallmark money. God, you got yeah, keep don't stop believing. You're gonna you're gonna get there. I believe in myself. I think it's gonna happen like probably next yep. year. So it is hard to imagine a time when uh, studios did this since it's so uncommon these days. But back in the day before VCRs made this entire notion obsolete, Disney used to re-release their classic big deal, big deal pictures periodically, and they'd still do solid. From the vault. Yeah, yeah. And they'd still do solid box office. So they planned to put uh, Mary Poppins back in theaters in 1981. But this movie got pulled from its initial, its initial theatrical run for reshoots for the endings because people were just like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah. And then they spent a million dollars and it still doesn't make any <laughs> fucking sense. They actually took out the part that kind of explains it. So to fill the gap, they took Mary Poppins and they moved it up a year to sort of like take over. And I definitely remember mom taking me to see Mary Poppins when it was in the theater. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. So could have been I missed. love Mary Poppins. Chance. Mary Poppins is also one of my favorite crossovers because of Elsa Lancaster as Katie mm -hmm. Nana, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, one of my favorite people. And I played Katie Nana in a play once, um, one of my first plays uh, as a child. So I always just felt a kinship mm -hmm. to her. Um, I love that. So, yeah, we love Mary. So this is an adaptation of a novel by an author named Florence Engel Randall, uh, which doesn't sound like it makes that much more sense than the movie does. I did a little did a little research on that, and it seems like everybody's reaction to it was also, "What? Huh? huh? 
Well, did you read any of the reviews for this when it came out? Because this was pretty much universally panned both times it came out. Uh, it was a little bit, the, the second reception was a little. No, I read, I read much. a lot of like, no, uh, the only reviews of it that I read was just when I was like looking shit up on like Letterboxd. And I'm like, all of my friends love this movie. Like what is happening right now? So because it was a gateway be. drug. Because yeah, that's was. what I'm telling you. Like I'm like watching it. Like you talked about it. It's all the vibes. It's like it literally terrified us. Like if you blindfolded one of your friends, you tried to recreate a seance. It has all those things that like of playing a game of Ouija if you didn't have friends to do that with you could put on this movie and feel those same kind of like shivers and especially because the little kids were and also because the little kids were the one getting the messages and Mm -hmm. the parents didn't believe them it's that thing of like parents don't understand you feel that connection of like I need the parents to listen they're not freaking listening like Oh, yep. so good. So, so noted curmudgeon uh, Vincent Canby from New York Times. So his he was probably the most savage with it. And here's an excerpt from his. It says, the talents are still there, but it's as if they've been placed under a spell of fearful silliness. <laughs> I challenge even the most indulgent fan to give a coherent translation of what passes for an explanation at the end. And here comes the shadiest, bitchiest part. <laughs> but... The woods, the lawns, the fields, and the houses are, however, small. <laughs> oh, come on. That's Canby, though. He's such an asshole. She said your sets are pretty. Yeah. That's- mm-hmm. yeah it's basically like, look, this movie fucking sucks, but it's really nice to look at. <laughs> Which, honestly, coming away from it, I was like, well, the architecture was nice. <laughs> yep. Wow. But it does, it really does suffer because it's like, I who is this movie for? It's, it's a little, maybe a little too spooky for kids, younger kids. It's for teenagers, it's like it has YA appeal, but they don't spend enough time on any of that to develop those characters. And for adults, there's fuck all to look yeah. at. Like it's and it's confusing. Yeah. So it's like you're missing all of your audiences because you're trying to appeal to all yeah. of them. And it just does not work. That happens. And, and yep. the story is confusing as hell. Last uh lastly, the movie was remade in 2017 for Lifetime, directed yep. by Melissa Joan Hart and starring Angelica Houston. I have not seen it. Nor have I. I probably well, should have for this. I love all of those people, but I'm thinking of 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 who's you know re- reviving it and all that stuff too. Melissa um, Joan Hart, you know, Sabrina Teenage Witch, and all that kind of stuff or whatever too, right? So it's like, I don't know. There's something about this zeitgeist of the Watcher in the Woods that was very witchy, and I feel like between like Fern Gully, between this, between like there's certain touchstones of like young spooky people who are spooky now who love these movies yeah. when we were kids. These were the gateway drugs to uh, our future witch witch lives. Yep. 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 <laughs> but even you can't you can't the the other one's not available either. Which makes sense. I mean, it's a TV movie. Those tend to be harder to find, but it's not yeah. that old. Yeah. So oh, there, you've, there's got to be like a streaming service that has all of that stuff. Um, Maybe. You know. But uh, yeah, let's let's depends on the rights. Let's get, let's get yeah. into it. Let's get down to it. Okay. So the film opens on misty footage of a forest as the Curtis family is accompanied by a real estate agent in search for a home to spend their summer. Or are they looking for just a place to move? Unclear. Unclear. Because it's it sounds like <laughs> they, they want it for the summer, which is like the setup is just like burnt offerings where they're like where yep. he's like, are you sure it's not a thousand dollars a month? It's a thousand dollars for the whole summer yeah it has real it has like the sentinel and burnt offerings vibes yeah because they do the same exact thing in in yep. burnt offerings where uh the eagle was like nine hundred dollars for the entire season and she's like i think seven hundred dollars is perfectly reasonable. <laughs> that's right yep so uh as the yep. car drives down the winding path to the house we get some watcher in the woods pov steady cam material as it tracks the car through the woods and so 
Like most of these English Gothic horrors, they come upon an ivy-covered home with a price tag that's too good to be true. Yes. And that, yeah, Love it. And we learn that the place is owned by an elderly woman named Mrs. Aylwood, who has no family and needs the income. She lives in a cottage off to the side of the house. And as we begin, we have the Curtis family as such, mother and father, respectively, Helen and Paul, played by Carol Baker, and the man from Uncle, David McCallum. Or Ducky. Or Ducky. Yeah, Ducky. <laughs> and they have two daughters, Jan and Ellie, played by Lynn Johnson, and appearing in her second Bring Me the Axe episode in a row, Kyle Richards, who played Lindsay Wallace in Ooh. Halloween. Yeah, we're on a real hot Kyle Richards. I know. We, That's yeah, wild. We're just going to plug in the next one just to make sure we get her in it. Nope. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. She's fabulous. So uh, while touring the house, Father Paul sits down at the piano, bangs out some bluesy melodies to the horror of the real estate agent who thought he was an opera composer. Yeah. I thought he was a serious musician. It's like, bitch, he is playing jazz, not like blowing into a fucking old jug. <laughs> what are you talking about? She's, She's like, so we don't offended. approve of that, yeah. that, that jazz music yeah. here. Really? <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, so what is that? What's, what's up like a, an English horror movie uh, of the period without some judgmental comments? Yeah. They all have all of it. Them. You have to, you have to have that character. That I, to this day, I feel like <laughs> there's always somebody who's like, ah, yeah, it's like it's no. like uh, Ava Gardner in the Sentinels. Just go. Oh, I thought I thought yeah. you were an actor. Uh, commercials. I thought you said you were an actor. <laughs> Damn. Burn. <laughs> <laughs> so Jan is upstairs looking out the window. Spots a strange blue go- glow in the forest right before the window cracks in a triangle pattern where where her uh, hand touches the pane, and uh, and she gets and she, she gets, gets cut. cut. And I I don't know she's bleeding. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that, but like even even every time I I see it, I'm like ooh, like ah, like because I can like feel it. You can imagine. I can it. feel it. Like I know what that feels like. And then Mrs. Aylwood assails her with questions about. She comes in and she's like, uh, are you hurt? Did you cut yourself? And then she's like, what sort of person are you? What are you adventurous? What sort of person are, are you? Kind? <laughs> are you kind? Do you sense, Do you things? sense things? Are you sensitive? <laughs> oh, yeah. She is doing, she is, she's like, I'm going to give you the most fucking Betty Davis, Betty Davis performance you're ever going to get. Yeah. But let me tell you this. Whoever styled Betty Davis should be brought up on war. Oh my god, because only like a few years earlier she's cut she's got that sweet little bob in burnt offerings. Mm-hmm. And in this one, she like, is like yeah. coming apart. Here's a question. Is it a wig? No, and it's dry as fuck. <laughs> but at she's, the end, they're the giving she's giving hermit. Out. Yeah, she's giving yeah. hermit. I guess they're probably trying to make her look like a little more haggard, but like she she's clearly a beautiful woman, and they're I don't know if they're trying to make her not look that way, but like she has got on pounds of foundation. Her hair looks like it is just ratted. <laughs> it is terrible. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I don't know, resolution wise, I mean I was watching it on Blu-ray, so I don't know what the what what it looked like on, on the cinema, like, you know, OG style do you know what i mean i feel like right now sometimes it is harder when you see some of those older films we talk about that um, a bit uh on our modern resolution yeah in yeah. recent like in recent episodes because like everything we're reviewing is just like all the all the modern formats and in a lot of cases particularly these like uh movies of this period the uhd treatment is doing them no favors right nope because yeah, she is. It's pretty she bad. Is mm-hmm. Covered in like pancake powder. She's like uh, like John Carradine in the Sentinel. Yeah. Yep. So we next learn that Mrs. Aylwood likely allowed the Curtises to live there because Jan looks like her daughter, who was 
lost many years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as they pull away, Mrs. Aylwood addresses the forest. She's like, she's going to stay here. Is that what you wanted? Like, who, who, who are you talking, talking to? to? We- I love that. Well, we, should, we, see, we see the little blue light. So we get that it's some sort of lights or some sort of entity. I was like, ooh, she's talking to ghost. Cool. That, I think that's the problem with this movie is they never, ever decide what is the supernatural element of this movie. Because is it ghosts? Is it aliens? Is it all well, of them? Is it not? Yeah, well, when we Who get cares? to the end, doesn't really matter. when we get to the end, they very clearly did, like, determine what the force is because, like, it's pretty cool, but it is up to that point entirely nebulous. And they never, ever pull the pull the curtain back at least a little bit to sort of give you a, give you a taste. Because, like, for the most part, it's just a blue laser that shoots stuff. Yeah. And then they're going to give you, at the end, they're going to give you an explanation that asks more questions than it does answer. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. And like, yeah, I, I guess it's just, you do never get really clear rules of, of what the entities are, right? And what the, what's happening. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Like with the mirror stuff and like, it's like, okay, we're going to get voices. We're going to get people talking through people. We're going to get, you know... Yeah, but uh, it is Karen, like apparitions, but it's not, but it's not exactly yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. So as the Curtises move in, Jan moves a big ass gilded mirror, which does not reflect her, which I think is actually a pretty cool little set piece. And then David McCallum says, "Well, oh, you know how old mirrors are. They're always breaking. You mean how old mirrors are with trapping the spirits of unsuspecting young women. <laughs> yeah. Is that how they are? What are you talking yeah, about? Well, they have the seven years bad luck thing that little little Ellie Kyle Richards talks yeah. about. And he's like, oh, when I when I met your mother, I had a broken mirror that day. Wah, like, wah. Why? <laughs> what? Yeah. What are you saying, David McCallum? <laughs> yeah. Brutal. But yeah, but like. Take my wife, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she. Uh, so, but she does it again, where she touches the the mirror glass, and then it breaks in that like triangle pattern again. But this time, there's like a blindfolded girl, like in the little triangle, who's reaching out to Jan before the whole thing shatters and falls. And she's spooky as shit. Like it's very effective. It is. It is. It's ghostly. It's weird. You have again. We have at this up to this point, we have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Right. So Jan tells her mom that she wasn't reflected in the mirror, beginning a series of crazy declarations throughout the movie, which everyone else just casually laughs off. Yeah, probably because she is screaming them at everybody at all times at 11. Like she is just, (laughs) she is insistent they have to save this ghost girl in the fucking mirror. And everyone's like, I think you need to calm down, have a tea, and maybe take a nap because <laughs> you're talking crazy. Well, she's like the crazy American in the midst of like this like British, you know, like pastoral scene, yeah. right? It's like kind of how they've cast her. On the, I feel like it's a little bit like, oh, teenagers, right? They're wacky. Yeah. They think things are happening does. around them, but you know. Because the only one teenager. who really believes her is her sexy boyfriend. Yep. But he kind of almost doesn't either. He was very doubtful as well. He's more pragmatic than she'll ever yeah. be. Yeah. Well, thank fucking God. There the, the, the does come a point at the carnival where he's like, you sound insane right now. Yeah. So that night, Jan watches Mrs. Aylwood going out to the forest by lantern light. Yeah, guided by hurricane lantern alone. Oh, it's awesome, though. It's such a cool little, little shot. Yeah. So much of this movie looks like the cover of like doom metal records. Yeah. Yeah. Here, actually. Yeah, who's like, the guy who just sweet t shirts? Fucking... You know, I want like a t shirt of all yeah, of them. Me... The guy who did the paintings for the one sheets for like uh, Conan the Barbarian. What was his name? It's like that kind oh, of like, style. Oh, Frazetta? Is it? Yes. Yeah. Like this, this, like this picture right here. This, this could be yes. a band called Catholic Guilt. 
<laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, what you can't see in this picture, though, is uh, you can't see uh, Kyle Richards like sweet, like astronaut ice cream uh, jacket that she has. It's like <laughs> big silver puffy jacket. Yeah. It's great. I loved it. She's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, poor Lynn Holly. She really like I really feel like the other two looking at that picture. I was like, we're giving so much more. Yeah. Kyle was even more grounded and just was like, yeah, like creepy. Yeah, Lynn's so. giving you Midwest. That's what she's yeah. giving. And she's like, she's got like hillbilly Midwest girl is her one speed yeah. that she's kind of got. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, out in the forest is about a third of the movie's budget spent on dry ice happening there. There's yeah. so much fog in this movie. It's it's the best. It's giving me the fog. <laughs> <laughs> little howling, little yep. fog. Yes. You get, you get that. You get that glowing. You get a little bit of glowing in the forest. So it's also glowing fog. Yeah. Uh, so uh, um, yeah, and also Ellie is now talking ooh. in her sleep about opening the door. Yeah, but they also have to get the puppy, and this is the moment that like where it gets all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. So in the morning, we meet Mike, the movie's exceptionally handsome motorcycle racer. As Ellie, like, why is it just like they were just like, what's popular right now? What is more kids than movies? Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't have them talking on CB radios and shit. Yeah, BJ and the Bear. Yeah. Oh, but like, but I mean, at the same time, like that must have been a Europe thing because, like, whenever you watch Italian movies like Jallo, you watch Poliziotteschi. There's... It's not European though, because because as as you know, and Terry, you probably don't know, I'm a big fan of Peanuts, like Snoopy, and in the ones from the 70s, a bunch of times around like late 70s, early 80s, motocross pops up for no particular reason, and it's like it's just because it was really popular at that time, like it just was a huge thing. I don't really understand it, but I just know that it was. It just shows up and shit. Yeah. And it feels so fucking seventy. It does. It does. It's awesome. I'll give. I'll give them that. But it definitely. It's got. Yeah. It's definitely. It wears the era on its sleeve. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, as mentioned, Ellie picks out a puppy at a farm, and then she goes into some kind of a trance and traces the word Nirac on the dust of a window, declaring that it's the dog's name. But let's be honest. There is you can only see one. I know. I know. On the other side of the window, we see that it's just Karen spelled backwards. It's my favorite thing. That is how I name almost all of my D&D characters. People are always like, wow, that name sounds so cool. I had played a guy named Eosh. It's just <laughs> Joe backwards. Like, I mean, you know, I, I still do that to this day. Um, I love it. It works. I mean, yeah. Know. Narek would be a great D&D character yep. name. That's yeah, hilarious. Put that one in your pocket. Save it for later. Yeah, done. Yep. And so Jan, for some reason, is disturbed by this. And then Mike's mom is shocked upon seeing the word Karen spelled on the window. Yeah, you'd think Mike would be a little bit more believing since his mom is suspicious as hell from the moment they meet. Yeah. She seems like she's terrified of everything and has seen a ghost her whole life, <laughs> uh, this woman. Yeah, but also not a ghost, but maybe it is a ghost. Who's to say, really? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but she's haunted either way. Yep. Right? Yep. She is, she's the most British looking woman I've ever seen. Uh, the guy playing Tom, Co- actually, all of them are. John yep, Keller they all are. and Tom Colley. They're great. Uh, are yeah. as, as British as they come. It's one of my favorite things. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I have a note back. that just says this movie is 80% intense, str- uh, troubled stares, and pearl clutching. <laughs> and then the note right underneath it says the music is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Aww. <laughs> uh... Yeah. So later on, 
Jan watches Ellie run off into the forest. Unbeknownst to Jan, there's also a creepy dude in a trench coat lurking about. And Jan follows her into the woods while Mrs. Aylwood watches from behind a wrought iron fence. I mean, you'd think Mrs. Aylwood, I don't know, might intervene when there's a strange man lurking about the woods, yeah. but eh, she's fine. No, she knows who it is, though. And so yeah. she wants to see what the kids dredge up because it sounds like they're actually yeah. hearing more than she can. I, I'm guessing she's heard some voices, too. But now that she's channeling through these children and using them as pawns to try to get her daughter back, because she knows in her heart and her soul of souls that Karen is not dead. She needs our help and wants to return. Yep. Listen, your version of this movie is more coherent than the actual movie. <laughs> well, that's what I saw. That's what it seemed like she was saying, yeah. you know? So, yeah. But again, yeah. Betty Davis looking haunted from behind a wrought iron fence. Yeah. Yes. Hell of a shot. Again, doom metal. Giving me so many spooky vibes. Yeah, it's great. It's it's it vibes, 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 picture, yeah. picture, the picture. The movie feels like a Halloween episode of Murder, She Wrote. Like it's, <laughs> it feels like such, it has such like, TV made for TV movie vibes where it's like it was written in a real hurry. So it's very kind of vague and nonspecific, but everyone's doing their best. You know what it so. is, is it's, you know what it's like an amicus movie where they yes. wanted to do hammer, but they couldn't get all of the usual people. So they're just like, fuck it, write a story like a hammer movie and we'll just fill it in with whoever we can get. Like yeah, they spent all their money on Peter Cushing. So they didn't have anyone to write the script. <laughs> yeah. So Jan searches for Ellie in the woods and ends up struck by a blue beam while investigating a strange flash by the water. Lasers. Yep. Before falling in, she sees a ring of blue light. And then in comes... Also, she falls into the water. She gets she gets stuck uh, like on a tree branch. This mm-hmm. part's actually pretty cool. Like it, because it, it at a certain point, it looks like she's under, and she probably is under like a sheet of glass. Right, because the bubbles aren't fully surfacing. It's either she's under right. a sheet of glass or she's like submerged in like KY jelly or something. It's such. But it looks, whatever it is, it looks really cool. It's terrifying. Yeah. And in comes Mrs. Aylwood with a stick to push Ellie under while shouting in that recognizable Betty Davis manner. Yes. Yep. It looks like she's murdering her, you guys. It looks like she's fully murdering her, and it's so scary. You're like, oh, my God, Betty Davis is about to kill this kid. You're like, nope, she was pushing her down to get her unhooked from the branches. She was actually saving the poor girl's life, but it it looked so scary. Listen to our Burnt Offerings episode for excellent Betty Davis impressions. Yeah. Oh, my God, I would like to hear some now. Please (laughs) give it to me. We got to get Sam Pancake on the show to do it. Oh, my God, I love Sam. Oh, so good. Yep, he was our guest for Burnt Offerings. Oh, he's wonderful. So it turns out that Jan was just stuck under a fallen tree. Mrs. Aylwood was pushing her Which, down. Like, let's be honest, she could have gotten herself out of that. I don't know. She was panicking. She wasn't really I think she panicked. I think it's that's one of those things. You'd only need, was it two inches of water? Yeah. Like, it's like if you freak the freak out and you're this underwater. This feels like when Annie Brackett gets her legs stuck and <laughs> getting out of the uh, window. It's like, you bitch, you could have gotten your leg out of there. You're just not really trying that hard. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but then we, we, they do that, like, they do this smash cut thing a bunch throughout this movie. And this is one of the examples of it where we go from this, like, panicked moment straight to a, like, extreme close up on. Lindsay Wallace explaining like, no, she saved your life actually. And so, yeah, there's a lot of hard cuts where they're like, well, how do we transition from here to here? doesn't matter. Yeah. Just so, go. As, as Jan recovers in Mrs. Aylwood's cottage, we find out that her daughter's name was Karen. And Jan explains that she's seen Karen in visions. Yep. And so now we get to the story, Karen's disappearance in flashback. So this is uh, like, you know, thir- I think it's 30 years prior 
It's 30 years ago, yeah. And apparently Betty Davis insisted on playing the young version of herself in this scene. And uh, there were makeup tests shot specifically to convince her that this wasn't going to work. And to her credit, she agreed. Oh, come on, man. You don't have to do that. Just be like, I'm the director. I say no, not I have to show you how old you look. That's so messed up. Just let her do it. Who cares? It's it's before we had Irishman technology, right? So it's like. I mean, to be fair, she was like 75 years old or something. I get it. I get it. But still, you could have just been like, "Mm, no, we're going to do something else. Don't worry about it. But what I I don't understand about this uh, ritual they're doing, because this is another part that is extremely vague. Where it's mm-hmm. like, all right, so there are three of them, but they're like teenagers. They're like 18 or so, like 16, 18, something like that. Right. And like, why are they playing in the woods together like a bunch of 10-year-olds would? Because there's no TV. That's true. Because it's And it's, it's like 1950. 1950 in, in <laughs> rural England. What else? They're essentially do? like, I mean, that's that's the thing. And so they're also, it's also not just that they're playing. It's a secret society that they've made up. So that that's feels very like. That's the question. It's like, what yeah. is this? Because it, it has a real kind of satanic ritual vibe to it. But it's like, what are you doing? What? And there's only three of you. This club does not look cool at all, by the right? way. And so then, like, the the worst of them, the fucking stodgiest, stuffiest of them, like, runs through this, I don't know what this, this uh, kind of, uh, what, what do you call that? Like, his, his ritual, his kind of rite of, of initiation. It's like the fear test he makes her go, like, he's like, it's like fear factor. And also she's it. new. And so I think it's that strange thing, too, of, like, I, I feel like there's a little bit different, um, I don't know. Um, in in British culture versus like American culture of like hazing um, and like allowing friends into your friend group. That's a little different. I feel like than even we have that kind of here too, but not to the effect of like bullying in Britain is a different sport than it is in America. Just straight up, just culturally speaking. This is the 50s version of it. Yeah. And I think that's part of why it was so, so kind of brutal. It's like, okay, if you want to be in our friend group, and you're an outsider, this is what you need to do. Because it's like um, weirdly intense. It's very intense. It's very, and then very they intense. They the church down. Well, they didn't do it. Bad. It's lightning. It's you know? lasers. So. Or, or was it? Was it perhaps <laughs> lasers? Was it perhaps a ghost? Who knows? Space <laughs> lasers. Yeah. I'm not there. I don't know. Yeah. So the important part of the story is that there was an eclipse going on when Karen vanished. Oh, right. Forgot yeah. that part. <laughs> yeah. You guys jumped way ahead. <laughs> and that's relevant. How. We can go back. We can go no, back. No, 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 we're doing great. <laughs> Look, I'm just here for I the I mean, we skipped, jokes. you know, you know, all the premonitions. And yeah, yeah there's a lot. There's a lot of little things that happen on the yeah. way. So what, what it's about, Mrs. Aylwood runs to the nearby church ruin. She hears the bell. She's struck by a blue laser. And as children run, for, run from the place in panic while the church catches fire. Um, and now Mrs. Aylwood thinks that her daughter is still out in the woods somewhere. I think that line was in the trailer. Yeah, but yeah. Cut to exciting dirt bike action. All right, here's my thing about this. They are cheering for Mike because Mike is a hot motocross rider. They are cheering for Mike like they have known him forever. They have known him for two fucking. Well, days. you know what it is? Is it's like it's like you go to a sporting event and you have no idea what's going on. You don't know any of the teams. You just get caught and up you in just, the moment. You just pick a team or you go with like whoever you know. And they've known him for the longest out of all of the bikers, ostensibly. And so they're just like, fuck it. We're going to we're going to cheer for Mike. I mean, I would do that because yeah. you go there and yell. I've done it. Uh, my ex-boyfriend, Mike, was a supercross <laughs> like road. I used to go out there and be like, you, that's what you do. You just go there and cheer. You pick your guy and watch him go around the circle 
are on the track and uh, cheer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She goes to catch a closer look at the race when Ellie falls into another trance and then hurriedly calls her over just in time for one of the bikes to fly wildly out of control and burst into flames where Jan was just standing. The trance that she attributes to the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Narek told me. Narek mm-hmm. told me. I was like, okay, kid. Okay, yeah, sure, son of sure, Sam sure. said the same thing. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> well, I just was yeah. like, is, it, is, is he talking in the back of your throat, throat little Danny? Like, what's going on? Like, it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And like, why are they talking to her now? And that's the they? thing that's so weird is like, it's like both the sisters are, are getting visited. But I thought, I felt like at first it was just going to be Jan. Uh, yeah, because later on it's sh- like, well, Jan can, she's the only one who can save them. And it's like, well, I don't know. It seems like Lindsay Wallace is helping out too. I mean. She's doing a lot of the work actually. Yeah. But The Shining was also 1980, right? Yes. Because yeah. this also has a person channeling voices and yep. writing backwards. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right, 1980, I see you. Mm-hmm. So on the way home, Karen explains what Mrs. Aylwood told her when we learn that one of the fleeing kids from the church uh, fire was Mike's own mother. Mary. Yes. Yep. And when Mike confronts her about it, she tells him that they were just larking about and that it was John oh, Keller's yeah. idea. I love that line. We were just larking about. Yeah, he, she did not go into how serious and how intense that situation really yeah. was for we them. We were lurking about, and then someone disappeared forever, and the church burned down. Yeah, And I broke yeah, the circle, and I freaked out. You know, whatever. Yeah. And it's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, so now David McCallum fucks off for the rest of the movie. Yeah, he's gone. Don't yeah. need him anymore. He's hardly in the movie anyways. It's it's. That, I don't know. Weird choice because now he's got to he's got to go. And um, well, they spent a lot of money on Betty Davis, is my guess. <laughs> and they were like, "We have you for two days. Let's yeah. do yeah. this." And thank you so much for your time, yeah. sir. Play a little jazz piano, and you can get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. So now Ellie, Jan, and Mike are on horseback, and the watcher presumably spooks the horses, which sends them running in every direction. Horses know. Horses know when things are evil. Yep. Yeah, horses know when vibes are off. Yes. Now, right. here's the question that this is the part about the bigger part about this that does not make a lot of sense to me is does this alien entity, uh, Karen, evil spirit, does she want to kill them or is she trying to warn? Like, well, there's a well, lot that goes back and no, forth. No, because what happens is the laser, because the horse is about to run into the street and the laser shoots the street as the truck or lorry, if you're nasty, mm-hmm. it tips over. <laughs> When its driver is blinded by the flash, right? And you, I love, I love the shot because you could see the 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 stunt driver like going like wah is the uh, like his arms flying all over the place as the truck like tips over. So yeah, it's trying to like keep them re- you know, reasonably safe, you know, as as far as its lasers can do. And so then, it's uh, watching out for them. Yeah, I guess. it's a watcher maybe from the woods. It is. It's, yeah. it is in the woods and it is watching. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's the watcher, but also I think right there it's trying to communicate to them and get through to them that they need help, and so they're doing it's doing everything it can to lure them to the place that they it needs, and it's it's proving more and more difficult. Uh, there are moments where it seems like it's working, and then all of a sudden, like someone falls in the water, or like it seems yeah, like it's working, I... and then and then the dog runs away, and then it seems like it's working, and then like you know something goes wrong each time. So a lot of mixed messages from this watcher in the woods. <laughs> This particular watcher. No, because you know, sometimes is, it's... you try to communicate with humans and it's hard. That's true. You need a dog and Lindsay Wallace. No, but yeah, but it's it's definitely because as we as we come to find out, it's definitely well within this in, this being's purview to 
protect them because it needs them to sort of get it to switch them back. So, you know, we'll get there when we get there. It's not going to make uh, any more sense when we get there. So, uh, but, but uh, yeah, so, so Jan, Jan's horse bucks are off near the ruined church and she sees, she goes in and she sees a triangle projected onto a stone coffin and then Karen's ghost inside. Awesome shot. Another yeah. This part was just going cool, to shit out of me when I was a kid. Cause this very is in that, cool. in that pre-roll Disney trailer, like the next few scenes that are actually really, really good yeah. are in that, that particular trailer. And yeah, that one's just, shit out of she's me. projected in a coffin. That's also like all burned up and shit. I love it. It's very cool and yeah. very scary. Yeah. And then she's chased off by that spooky overcoat dude from before. <sighs> He's like a Tom Colley coming again with these serious pedo energy. <laughs> yeah. Well, he also is, you can't tell he's, he doesn't know if she's real or not. And we find out later. He's like, were you, are you a ghost? Are you a ghost lady? So yeah, I got yeah. a lot of questions about him coming up too. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like he's got some arrested development from exactly that time that that girl disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now Ellie and Mike show up and Karen is just like, I saw a ghost and I saw the triangle. And, you know, she's she's doing the thing where she screams. We got to help. We got to help Karen. Yeah, and and everybody. Like, you know, she's always saying that she's been saying that <laughs> since we got here. Yeah. I keep Every... trying to find a doctor and it's not that easy out here in the country. Now, everybody is very accommodating to her crazy ass declarations. And she is seeing like wild spectral shit like everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it's yeah. gotta be hard if you're that person i can't even imagine <laughs> like well she is also always in danger from some like vague lurking menace just everywhere there's, there's this creepy guy following her in the woods there's an alien that is either trying to communicate with her and or kill her uh she goes to the motocross show and the fucking motorcycle almost hits her and blows up yeah this movie Life's is definitely for this is a, it's a hard transition her. yeah it's crazy what she's being a teenager is really hard yeah, and like her mom, like literally at the beginning, it's called could have all been stopped if the mom had listened. When her daughter was like, "The vibes are off," the mom's like, "It's cheap, let's go." So, <laughs> yep. parents, listen to your kids. Yeah. Next thing you know, it's the Amityville Horror. Yep. Next thing you know, it's Mrs. Allardyce in the uh, in the attic. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, windows break suddenly in the chapel. A pair of circular pieces of stained glass collapse on the floor, implying an eclipse. If you're paying attention. But to everybody else, they should start to suspect that Jan is exhibiting symptoms of schizophrenia since she's seeing symbols everywhere and seems to be hallucinating. Yes, Jan might be bipolar. It's like being at Disneyland too long and seeing all those hidden Mickeys after a while. (laughs) (laughs) You step outside the park and you're like, they're following me. They're everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So now at John Keller's place, crazy Tom Colley tells him that he saw Karen when he really saw Jan. Mm-hmm. And uh, incidentally, the ominous exteriors set against the stormy nighttime backdrop are the same exteriors that Robert Wise used for the haunting. Ah, yes. Okay. Yep. It's Hill House. Yeah. So inside Keller, a haunted man broods by the fire. He really does. He really, he really does. does. And he broods the shit out of the scene. Yep. Some very good haunting, haunting brooding. Yes. Yep. What, wait, wasn't the Changeling also 1980? Yep. Yeah. Because this has really heavy, like, changeling interior vibes. Yeah. Yep. Everyone's trying to make that exorcist, like you said, that spooky Mm -hmm. thing, right? Oh, man, they're pulling Mm -hmm. all the stops. Yeah. So we now smash cut to a crappy monster in a carny funhouse. And uh, Jan enters a hall of mirrors and sees Karen reflected in each of them in what is undeniably a very cool scene. Probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. movie. It's probably, yeah, my favorite part 
Uh, it also easily. scared the shit out of me when I was a kid because she has this like pleading look on her face, and there's like just this row of her. Yeah, it's that 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 sort of like endless mirror because it's like mirror against mirror, and it's just a row of her extending to the horizon. It's now it's, this is also a trick they do in they do the same thing in something wicked. Really, the Hall of Mirrors in is a plays a big part of that story. Um, and there's a very similar uh, part in that. We love a good Hall of Mirrors kind of scene. Those are always I mean, really works. scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To this day. Um, I love that. Even Bruce and the little the scary like monster smash also looks like the little witch mask that little um, little little sister had been wearing. Little Ellie had been wearing mm-hmm. around. Um, back oh, yeah. There. So you got like a little bit like, are, where are they? Oh, okay. There's someplace else. Yeah. So. I That's think right. what, what frustrates it? me about this movie is that it could have been really fucking cool. It's shot really well. Everyone's doing the you know their best job at it, but it's like nobody bothered to write a coherent story. So yeah, now now she runs out out of the uh, out of the place again, yelling that they have to kill, help Karen, which is basically her entire arc. Yeah, this is her from here on out. <laughs> She's, we have to help her but also yeah. because Karen was saying mouthing help me help yep. me help me and so she can actually finally see it um, that that's what she's trying to say because before she was like I don't know what she needs but now I was like, she could have been it. a little polite about it though there's a, <laughs> a lot of like telling people what she wants demanding that they do things for her grabbing them by the lapels and like pulling them in close <laughs> we have to help Karen yep so well, she now, wants it to stop. If you had voices coming at you <laughs> and yeah, you thought the I, only way that, to stop is, it would be to actually find out a, what's going on. It's like, just a vague air of menace well, she, all the time. Yeah. This yeah. is the thing is I kept putting myself in, in her shoes and I'm like, I know that if this were me and I were receiving messages from the great beyond, a piece of me would be like, how the fuck do I communicate this to people in a way that doesn't get me locked up? Oh, if yeah. it were me, I'd be like, "You picked the wrong fucking guy." Look, <laughs> Look I got, listen, I got, a, I got places to be. Look, I write a podcast every day. All right, I don't have time for this. I have important things to do. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yes. <laughs> Jan now confronts John Keller, shouting more crazy shit at him uh, before he demands that she leaves. A lot of me going, sure, Jan, like <laughs> during this movie. Is this the part where he like almost runs her over with his car? And she's just like so. riding her bike right towards him. Like, yeah. this is yeah. too much. Yeah. So then Jan goes to Tom Colley's place in the woods. He's Ooh, bad I, move, girl. Bad move. Uh, I, I think he's the only character in the movie who is referred to by everyone else by his full name. He is always, There's always that friend, though. I'm that friend with a lot of my friends. They're uh, like, even my friends' kids are like, Terry Gamble's coming over. Like, he's my <laughs> full name quite often. I'm that uh, friend in the friend group. From now on, I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now uh, nobody, yeah, the thing is, nobody calls him Tom. Nobody calls him Mr. Collie. Only Tom Collie. And he's got real Lenny from of Mice and Men vibes. <laughs> yeah. And like at one point he's just like, here, hold my crow while I do crazy guy stuff. And it's like, what is <laughs> happening in this scene? Why is I he mean, giving this girl a bird? When you have a bunch of taxidermy in your home and yeah. you've done it yourself. Yeah, she needs to leave. She needs to leave immediately. No, I love. No, I mean, this is obviously where she's going to get the information because he's like the quote unquote kind of crazy Ralph, right? He's the one that she needs to talk to. He's got the pieces and he's going to spill them. You know what it is, is this is uh, Norman Bates. Yep. In at the beginning of of Psycho, when uh, Marion Crane goes in and sees like all this crazy taxidermy. Yeah, he's going to this... tell her what happened. Then he's going to gasp and cover his mouth, and then be like, "Oh, I shouldn't have said that to you." 
<laughs> and that is yeah. how the movie proceeds. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, also, but she's also attacked by a jump scare cat. Mm-hmm. I love then- the cat. Obby, I, was, I got so excited. I have two black cats I adopted this summer, and I just get excited anytime I see a black cat in cinema. I love a black cat. Well, yeah. you should be excited all the time because they are in everything. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now, but now Tom Collie is going to give her the full Torgo. He, really, he goes right up to he her. Really he puts, his, he puts her, his hand in her face. In her face, and he like touches her hair. Are you real? Yeah. Are you a real girl? Oh, um, right, Tom Collie. God yeah. damn it. Well, that's to let you know what his reality's been like. Like he's definitely probably the one who's. It looks like he's the one who stays closest to wherever this stuff went down. Right. Yeah. He's the one who's most haunted, and he's the one I think who still believes that maybe she's out there. I wonder um, if he was mm-hmm. always like this or if this was a result of the experience. See, I guess that was my question is like, he seems in the flashbacks, like just one of the other kids. Like there's, there's no indication that he's developmentally delayed or has any like intellectual disability. He's just like, is. I so think I, I think we're still so mistraumatized him. Yeah, it broke him. But then him. when he finally does touch her, he's just like, oh, you're real, whatever. You're not a ghost. <laughs> no, he's still a little like uh, trepidatious, but he's twanged. He he twanged early, and uh, yeah, I feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah. So now he's going to give her another flashback where we learn that they blindfolded Karen for sort of initiation ceremony. You guys went over this. They held hands around her. As soon as John Keller begins the ceremony, the church is struck by blue lights, set on fire, and then the tower bell crashes down where Karen was, but she was gone before that happened. And there is so much going on at this point where I'm like, I how can I keep any of this straight? They're really starting to spin all the wheels. Like it, it's it's a- approaching the uh, like the the sort of the third act, right? And so elsewhere, yeah, but I thought like maybe like I don't know. I thought it was just like because they ran away and it looked like she could have been like hit by the bell and then thrown into that casket that we've already yeah. seen with the ghosts, you know, character like looking being in stuck in there like oh did she fall in there? Did they like do you know what I mean? Like it looks oh, yeah. like yeah, it looks I like think... she fell in there. It looks like she fell in there and they just never went back and that's why they feel, like the other kids feel so guilty cuz they're just like dude, we just couldn't see her. It's like well, well he does. He says he goes back the next day and I was like the yeah. next day should yeah. tell someone about this. They were too scared. That's yeah. what he says is he we 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 told them we told everybody and we looked and we looked and we never found her. So yeah. And then they say it was a lunar eclipse. So do you know how rare that is? And it's like, well, it's not that rare. It happens twice a year. Yeah. No, but this is the the the, the whole thing with this one is it only happens every 30 years, right? Well, then they were talking oh, about the one, the thing that's not rare. They didn't say the lunar eclipse was rare. They said lunar eclipses happen all the time. They said it's the um, the sun one, whatever. What's the other one? The other one. Solar one we eclipse. just had. Solar eclipse. Thank you. Happens not as often. The, she has the big box of glasses. Yeah. We love those moments. That also felt very like, I don't know. Um, I just was watching Gerald's game recently and yeah. Well, and I remember there was one. Those eclipse moments. 80s, at some point in the 80s because when I, I'm. I mean, yeah. I oh no, I remember it too. Yeah, because yeah. we made those box glasses in school, and we had to. We all went outside and looked at it. So it must have been. I was like at summer camp. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and um, I don't know. There's something we just like recently had one too. Um, here, but I, know, I Donald Trump looked directly into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. beautiful he's a very very stable genius absolutely beautiful um but no there is something i feel like magical in that energy i feel like people feel with those types of um events and things like that like the mystics and stuff like that i feel like it's a it's a time for a reset 
of some sort. It just sort. feels like one more element they're chucking into this movie. Like eventually it's like, there is so much happening. So many fucking threads here and you don't need any, like you need like, it's a fucking alien. That's good enough. That's your well, story. I know, but they're Cut keeping it ambiguous and you don't know it's an alien yet, which I kind of love actually. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I think maybe it was like a supernatural thing, you know, of some sort, but not alien, you know, yeah. like that's, that's like, why you, you get don't... the end and it's like, what about all that other shit you said? Yeah. Yeah. Cause up to this point, the vibe you're left with is, um, Occult, occult horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we got symbols. There's, uh, you know, triangles everywhere. She sees, like, I, I, I think I might have skipped over, but like before she sees Karen in the coffin, there's like a circle projected onto it in blue, mm-hmm. which, like, uh, these are supposed to be sort of like clues to en- to enlighten us as to what's going on. But they it don't feels really... like Illuminati or something, right? Like <laughs> yeah. they're giving you like triangles, circles. No, like, like well, they're giving, they're giving you, you those, clues like... to another story because that's yeah. not how that's not where these clues lead. <laughs> Yeah, that that initiation ceremony is also like really like Masonic as well, like mm-hmm. blindfolded and mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, like it's it's all kind of like listing in a particular direction, and then you know I, I think that's part of the problem with the ending is it just goes in an entirely different direction, unless there's magical aliens. But yeah, like their whole like point a- was like we're gonna re- we're gonna reshoot this movie. They invested a million dollars to reshoot this ending, and it does not explain it, and it actually explains it. Well, even less. It, I I think it does, but. It's still in a like, way, but it's not as like it's not as obvious as the other one is, or the right because the, the original endings don't have the voiceover that just is like, oh, by the way, this is everything that's happening right now. Yeah, there's a huge exposition dump at the end of this movie. Yeah, they needed it. They definitely needed oh, yes, it. We yes. <laughs> yes, we also, did. But I but I still don't mind it. I don't know. I don't feel like everything has to be like I don't know spelled out. I didn't mind the ambiguity. In, in in the ending and also what's happening just because it's like that was the whole thing with these people they're literally just like no one understands what happens it was an unexplained phenomenon it's a little like um what's that one in the sky whatever those guys that like got abducted you know what i mean that's like everyone's got their version of like what the hell they thought happened um none of it's really too real it could have been an alien abduction and that's what we find out it actually was that's true i jumped us <laughs> way ahead i jumped us to the end before we're ready though so. that's okay yeah. So elsewhere, Mrs. Aylwood hears Ellie humming a song and invites her in to show her a music box that plays the same melody. In then, the quaintest cottage you have ever seen. It's delightful. It's so cute. And Ellie had heard it from Jan. Yeah. <laughs> they really or, did. It was great. Yeah. yeah. And so now in comes Jan, who tells Mrs. Aylwood that Tom Colley, what, all what Tom Colley told her, while also being followed by Steadicam POV. And then Ellie goes into another trance, you know, yelling, must help Karen. And mom interrupts this one. And that yes. is just wonderful because mom's like, okay, kids, uh, this little lady's got you guys screaming and in like fits. It's very crucible all of a sudden. Like these yeah. girls are like, I don't know. Like, hello, Salem. Um, you know, what's going on? <laughs> like, you know, witch trials and stuff. And so and mom's like, well, um, I guess that was the price. Uh, it was too cheap. It was, yeah. this was yep. too good to be true. Too good to be and true. now I get this place is haunted and the strange lady is strange. You kids were probably right. Let's get the fuck out of here. But now the kids are like, no, we are too far into this saga. We cannot leave mom. We yeah. are ready to stay. We got to figure out where the hell, what the hell is going on with Karen. She's still out there. I don't think she's dead. Let's figure it out. Yep. They don't get far though. Cause just like in burnt offerings, uh, an unseen force stops them because they're in the car they get, they drive mm-hmm. away at night and then they get stuck on the bridge and then they're like, Oh shit, we should probably get out of the car just in time for another blue laser. 
Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, if they hadn't got out of the car, the blue would have died. Would have hit them. Like, it's kind of like, all right, you want their help, but you're a little bit reckless about it too. <laughs> yeah, but it's exciting because you get an exploding car out of it. That's true. I don't know if the blue laser was supposed to hit them. I think it's just like that was it, supposed to gain the tr- help mom gain the trust of the kids that they were going back to the right place and like stopping them from leaving that place, right? Yeah, because it, it doesn't it doesn't hit the car; it hits the bridge. And, yeah, you know, the car collapsing with the bridge is just kind of like, oh shit! I guess the you know the good thing they weren't in there because uh, really it was just to sort of cut off their exit. You know, you got to stay here; you got to see it through. Yeah. So you're saying the blue lasers are stormtroopers and they don't have great aim, is what <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing. I mean, it's it's col- as plausible as anything else. <laughs> it's collateral damage. Uh-huh. So that night, they're haunted by nightmares about helping Karen. And Ellie, again, in a trance, traces do again tomorrow on the bathroom mirror with soap. And so the next day, while looking for that set of eclipse glasses that she made, Ellie utters some phrases from her trance the night before. And Jan starts, like, making connections. So and Jan shouting called, about it at people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, Jan calls Mike to tell him that they have to do the ritual again with the same people from 30 years before. Good thing they're all still alive in there. And Jan is very confused about what a seance is because she says something like, when people put their hands together at a seance and they make objects move. I'm like, that's not what a seance is. Sure. Good enough. I mean, every, this, this movie's off the rails some, at this point. Some Ouija board thing, right? Like, that's what it sounds like she's trying to have them do, but yeah. it's not what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So she talks everybody into going back to the chapel to do the thing again, and miraculously they do. And Karen has been raving like a lunatic the whole movie, and somehow everybody just goes with it. Yeah, she's she's acting like a crazy person, and then but they're all just like, "Ugh, fine, I guess." <laughs> it's, it's no, really... but it's because they've all been freaking haunted as well. Like, hello, yeah. their guilt is the only thing that gets them there because they know in their heart of hearts that they fucked up and they've yeah. kept it as like they're like do or die secret, but their secret has been unearthed, and they're like, "Well, if this girl figured all this much out." Like there's got to be some sort of truth to it, so that's why they don't. I mean, they could just, they could ride it out for like curiosity. one more day, and then they're fine. The, the, uh, the chance has passed. Yeah. But also, why is this the only happening now? Why has this not happened before? I bet they've tried because they didn't have someone who could listen and help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They but, well, also they need the eclipse is a kind of crucial component to it. Right. For and reasons so, that don't get explained, or do they? I'm pretty sure they don't. Well. Yes, ish, ish. I was a little checked the, out by the end of this movie. In the in the Ellie in the version in the final version that that we all saw that they've that they released. Ellie, explains, look, it's not that wild for me to not know what's going on. They had to reshoot the ending to this movie twice. <laughs> yeah, so this and it part, still didn't make sense. This part right now is where the movie's original endings break. So what ends up happening is Ellie chases Nirak the dog into the woods and she falls into a trance again. And then we got back to the church and Jan is bl- is blindfolded this time, plays Karen, and then they begin the ritual. And then uh, Jan assures everyone that the ritual will work this time because no one will break the cycle. No. Or break the circle. Right. But man alive, is she proven wrong like twice? Because that lady is like, no, I'm going to do it. Mary's like, like, get me out of here again. I left the first time. I will do it again. I was like, girl, that's what you messed up the first time. She has every intention of doing the same thing. She's terrified. (laughs) To which I say, well, then why did you come? (laughs) If you didn't want to be here, why did you come? Her guilt was so bad. Like she's ready to leave immediately. I was like, girl, yeah, it was shame, shame on us. 
you know, twice. (laughs) Shame on you. (laughs) And so as soon as the ritual begins, Ellie's voice comes through explaining what happened. And what, what, what we, what we learn through, through extensive VO is well, so then um, she it's, it's VO, but then she comes walking in, but her mouth isn't moving. It's yeah, just which, still the voiceover. I'm, I'm gonna give you this. I I like that detail. It's kind right. of like um, uh, have you ever watched old clips of Doctor Who? Where absolutely the, not. Good God! The, so the they're, they're, the, the seven, this, old BBC was ugly as hell. Oh, but here's the thing: there's the Cybermen were. Are you gonna say they're still ugly? They're fucking no. terrifying back in the day. And they I was going to were... say they're delightful, Dave. I don't know no. why you're so anti. I don't know. Do you not like cool, fun, weird things? I don't like, like science fiction. I'm not a science fiction person. Do I not like camp? You might actually <laughs> like these old ones because they are delightful. Because it's terrible. camp. Yeah. yeah and, that's what uh, I love about old sci-fi. But, anyway. but like the way that the Cybermen used to used to appear is they were just people in like body stockings and all this kind of like metal stuff kind of like bolted onto them. But when they would speak, the Cybermen would open their mouths, just open their mouths, and then the voice would come through, but they would not mouth the words. Their mouths would just open and the sound would come out. It was an eerie, eerie thing. And it's something it's immediately what I thought of when I saw this, because Ellie walks in and she's not speaking, but we hear that kind of affected version of her voice as the alien is kind of like speaking through her. But what we learn is the watcher is an invisible alien that switched places with Karen by mistake during the ritual. And so now she's been trapped here on Earth in the woods. Where was the watcher going? Just just passing through. Yeah. I think they were probably writing on like, I feel like it's like a little bit like, um, like the comet kind of situation or whatever, where they're like, oh, like it was supposed to be, I don't know, it was supposed to be the alien writing on the comet or like through the eclipse. And it was supposed to be something lined up for that night as well for them. And it was some magical thing for them. Yeah, um, they unexplained, were going, but that's they were, what I figured. They were going mm-hmm. somewhere. And this is the reshot this, ending, right? This is the, yeah. the 81 version. Yeah. Yes. Because, okay. And so like, it has set there's two other endings and um, all of them have been cut and replaced with this one. You can find them on the anchor Bay DVD release, the movie, and you can also get them on YouTube. I'll link to them in the show notes. Uh, the original endings don't make a whole lot of sense. And they also don't include the voiceover. You're I think they look better of, though. I, I think like they the look big better. flying bug. I love the bug alien, which, which I believe Vincent Canby said, it looked like it was something that was stolen out of a Chinese new year parade. It's so awesome. It looks like a creepy dragon bat thing. It's kind of, super cool. And it kind of looks like, um, I feel like it, it made me think of the taxidermy that um, Tom was doing because mm-hmm. he had those little bats and winged, all these little winged creatures were his oh, taxidermy. Yeah. Oh, it, like, I was like, oh, has he been seeing the creature and like trying to recreate it somehow? And that's like where he's stuck. Do you know what I mean? Though, like maybe he saw something in that flash, yeah, and that's what he's he's continuing to make. So I was like, oh, this makes more sense if you see this thing, yeah, um, to go it's with like, kind of how cool. he was like, doing, yeah. It flies right. in and like wraps its wings around her and sort of like yeah. and totally and like wraps her up and then it flies away. I was it like, flies away. Oh, like it's cool because then we go to and this this had to be like a thing like okay we're gonna do our own version of two thousand one or something yeah because we go to this like psychedelic landscape where there is a crashed UFO and they go into the UFO. This and... is where it's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> the tone in this movie has changed so wildly by this point, and it's like this is like pure science fiction at this point, yeah, but like real cheap science fiction. But uh, yeah, but what we see is inside the ship is Karen, who's 
you know, the, the, the girl we've been seeing the whole movie and she's trapped in some kind of like a crystal. And then Jan goes in and they, she gets her. And then there's a big, we cut back to the church and there's a big like flash of light. And they're both standing in the spot where Jan was standing. It turns out that the girl has not aged a day since the, the since she was trapped. That's in this lot. ending. In this ending. In this ending. Yeah. yeah and then, oh right. Yeah. And there's someone else in the other one. It's like a totally uh, different actor. Right, because they brought her back because they couldn't get the original. And I guess they figured, who cares? We'd never see her with a blind. But in these body. endings, they also make uh, so uh, Betty Davis looks good. Like she's they, they've styled her hair. She's her makeup looks fine. Like she looks so much better in these. Like why didn't you just let her look like that? Because she's happy her daughter's like returning. Because yeah. she's but happy she her like daughter that might be back. Before her daughter returns. Yeah, and then um, in another one, and I think it was, I think it was the original. A, like the original released version, like the one with the alien in the spaceship is not the one that was released. That was something that was, that was the one that they, tr- they, they never finished because they were trying to rush the movie off. The one that I think a ri- they did originally was the alien comes up, it, it grabs Jan and flies away. And then there's the flash and she's just back with Karen. I believe that's the original theatrical ending from 1980. Yes. But yeah, uh, they cut all this UFO stuff out. I don't know. And then Jan says, he needed my image to set her free. And I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck are you talking about? No. So what we instead got was uh, basically the the Blade Runner version where there's just like a voiceover going, like in case you haven't figured it out, like there's an alien and the girl's trapped. And And fiend. She was trapped in in suspension and frozen in time. She sure was. Except except Jan was able to reach right through all of that and just grab her. Yeah, it's, it has this whole uh, I, I, I have to return to my home planet. My people need me yep. kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, yep. E.T. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this time they they but they this time they perform the ritual in concert with the eclipse. And then a strange light appears next to the entranced Ellie. This is the version that's on the disc. The one that, that we that they they released in 81 and it has no alien in it. It's just this blobby light next to her. And the light surrounds Jan, and Mike rushes in to break the circle, ending the ritual. But with the ritual complete and Jan safe, Karen stands there where Jan stood, not having aged a day since her disappearance. Mrs. Aylwood wanders in for some reason, sees her daughter standing there. They hug. Fade to black. Roll credits. She wanders in because that was her cue. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love it. <laughs> yep. Well, watch her in the woods. That's, that's, uh, that's going to lead me to my question. I'm going to ask you, Terry, how do you think this movie holds up today? Uh, you know, it's a little slow, um, but that's okay. Uh, God. Okay. How it holds up today. (sighs) Mm -hmm. After talking about it with you guys for a while, um, I still freaking love it. Um, no, I think, I think it's, it's, it's still just vibes. I, if you like vibes, if you like a weird, like occult witchy shit, um, that's what I feel like this this gives me a little bit. I feel like it's like a really nice gateway. Like, watch this, watch the Wicker Man. Like, do you know what I mean though? Like, I don't know if if you're if you're be below the ages of ten, this will scare you. You know, like this is this is what it's for. Yeah, I personally I think that it's it's worth a watch as a a weird piece of like a weird Disney curio. That's it's, an it's such an anomaly. It's a weird mm. anomaly in the Disney lexicon. It's so strange. Yeah. 
it's it's a bit of a it's definitely a bit of a slog. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I. I I, I think that it's very it's a it's fascinating it's an art it's it's an antique from a weird period of of like Disney history, um and and just the sort of broader picture of the period from when it was made is also a, a, a time in that company's sort of production history that I think is really fascinating because they were at a very strange crossroads and just did not know what to do and seemed to be like they were flailing but they were still kind of making money at the same time. It's like happening all- right now. I think it's interesting because I just sorry. Um, I feel like just even right now, I feel like it's 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 a similar thing where they're in a similar space right now. Yeah, I think they're in that re- rebuilding time. So I don't know. I just I I'm I'm that nerd that'll go down like the Disney deep dives on Defunct Land and all that kind of good stuff on like YouTube and whatnot. And I just I'm very curious what's going to happen with Disney right now in the midst of like you know post whatever writer strikes and and actor strikes and all the stuff that's happening at the moment. Um, Cause they're in a transition again where like all the like last few like animated things that they've done have not done well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nothing has been really re- meeting projections and cause they were trying to do something different than what they've normally done. And so it's like, what are they going to ultimately learn and what are they going to come up with next? Cause mostly they've just bought market share for the last like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been quite a while since they've had a, a frozen, yeah. you know, sort of like a sensation, you know, yeah, it's been a decade. Yeah. So Wild time. I don't know. Uh, I think it's a time capsule, but I don't, I can't imagine this movie resonates with anybody now. It's such a weird mashup of like ideas and tones and themes and like genres that just don't work together. Despite the fact that like everyone's doing their best. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's 100% a nostalgia piece for a yeah, certain, a gate, yeah. for a nostalgia certain and gateway drug. Yeah. Like we are right in the, right in that wheelhouse as we remember it from the home video period you know, and like, you know, it's just we've got different perspectives on it, but uh, we definitely remember it. And it's a thing that resonates in some way, just different ways for for, you know, the three of us. It's just it's a it's it's just it's a fascinating movie that's just not terribly interesting. to watch. Yeah, I don't think it holds up now, but I also don't think it held up very well then either. So it's kind of like it did what it was no. supposed to do. It scared the crap out of me as a kid. And that's what it was supposed to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely of that like weirdo like experimental period like this movie and i think maybe condor man are like the two that's movies. the other one that i always remember condor man i and loved one. condor man and i rented that so much video dollar day shout out in vista california that was my video <laughs> store i used to yeah. rent that both of these like but condor man especially quite often oh my yeah, god they're just like they're just kind of like forgotten but there's other movies of the period that they were trying out that that definitely worked better in terms of box office and also review like, um, you know, Tron was a terrible, terrible, com- like, commercial failure for them, but fucking everybody loves that movie. Uh, and it still has, like, you know, a beloved space and, in, in, you know, and culture as well. And Yeah, they just launched yeah. a ride at, at the, the Magic Kingdom. I heard Kingdom. it's one of the best rides as well. I heard it's, yeah. yeah, you get on there, it's like, you get on the bikes. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. This, like, like a year or two ago. It's new. Yeah. Um, so there's there's it's they're still you know using that IP even like part of like I just went to Taylor Swift's Eras tour yes 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 I'll admit it I'm actually in the closing credits because I got like they stopped me because my outfit was cute before the show so I'm in the like <laughs> freaking immortalized in the Eras um, <laughs> video um, but uh, even in her concert she has a thing that looks like the Tron bikes like I was like holy crap they're still 
like checking Tron like to this day. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll like within culture. So yeah, like, I think there's something about because that because of nostalgia. I think once yeah. once the once our generation kind of ages out, they, they nobody will remember these. No. Which is, I don't know, maybe it's for the best. It's like, it's from a weird period. it's okay, but it, but it was, it's a weird period, but I feel like a lot of our creators right now, obviously, like, you know, this, this was a touchstone for us. Yeah. Yep. So, Terry, thank you so much for joining us. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad, I'm glad we, I'm glad we had you on to, to, to talk this movie. Because we, we intended. You did not want to talk about this movie, I guess. We, we intended. I, actually, I really did want to talk about this movie. It was only after I watched it that I was like, well, there's just not much to say about it. <laughs> It just is what it is. No, but I'm glad. I'm glad we had your perspective on it. You know, give it a, balance things out a little bit. Yeah, someone's got to love it. Someone's yeah. got to love it in the room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. So, uh, hey, where can everybody find you? What are you up to? I'm just hanging out right now. You know, not talking about struck work. You know, um, but uh, you can find me on the internet at the Terry Gamble. Uh, most places: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and. Um, uh, or terrygamble.com that's terry with one r t e r i gamble like las vegas um and uh i do an amazing show that you guys know about with julia who you've had on your show already as well yep. amazing julia marquesi um my best friend of a million years we actually met on the airplane on our way to england so this movie has a near and dear heart we did our year abroad together we studied together that's how we met um so whenever stuff is british i'm almost just like ooh. so that's probably also <laughs> why i love this movie because it's got that weird like american trapped and and, and britain um vibe to it which i can definitely relate to yeah um feeling loud and obnoxious compared to all of them. And I think that could be also maybe the direction because I feel like that happens a lot. <laughs> They're like, y'all are really loud. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, we have more space to be heard. Um, and uh, you can, you know, find me there. Uh, Horror Movie Survival Guide, a weekly podcast. We have over 300 episodes, um, lots of great interviews. We have a Joe Lynch uh, interview that's just coming out for Suitable Flesh. Um, and we just talked with Dennis Paoli as well. Um, Stuart Gordon's um, wonderful, you know, who wrote The Reanimator and From Beyond and um, lots of fun stuff. Uh, I feel like I'm missing. Oh, and uh, Garf Horror X with the George A. Romero Foundation. We had a new um, show that's on the Garf Network via YouTube that just. Um, started we had a couple of interviews that are already up with Lori cardill um amazing um from uh day of the dead day of the dead uh-huh the just a badass and just what a wonderful kind 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 woman um and then our, our second interview just came out recently with chelsea stardust so check that out amazing fun conversation with her our show is focused all about women and femmes and horror um and i feel like there's more stuff but that's probably good for now right yeah not bad not bad you're very busy all right. So, uh, yeah, that was it. The Watcher in the Woods. We'll see you back here in uh, another week with uh, our teardown of elves. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs>